we've had been lucky enough that since we started this, had a very like constant stream of something to make content about, and last yeah, week absolutely. was just dead. Yeah, it was really weird. Like out of nowhere, nothing happened for a week. Like because the week before that, like obviously it was Fourth of July, so that was like a little bit of a, a sway onto it. But in the sense of there was still a lot going on with the Supreme Court and everything like that, we had a lot of news to cover, and then it went to from like a hundred to zero right away. Yeah, and like we kept trying to push it back and. You're like, no, maybe something happened, maybe something happened, and then we're just, we're completely unprepared for an episode. So we took a little break. Yeah, we took, we took, we took a week off, waited in the sense, oh, we'll make sure this one's better off and just actually something that we care about rather than just making up news for an hour or something like that. That's, that's, that's what the liberals job is. Not, not here at the at TLGR. <laughs> TLGR but, headquarters. Yeah, exactly. Speaking <laughs> of the news, and I will keep it very short because we do have a lot to talk about today in the sense of some actual a little bit of theory marxian theory getting into today but basically what i've got for news today uh, i know griffin's got a story too but over on friday the governor of iowa signed an all but total abortion ban after six weeks but this uh today monday afternoon july 17th a iowa district judge has put a pause on that so abortions are still legal up to 22 weeks in iowa at least for the time being but we are uh, tracking that story as it, as it progresses and see if that ban actually gets held up because that is nearing every ever so clearly more to fascism and just makes me a little bit scared. But speaking of fascism, uh, our favorite um, Middle Eastern leader, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, is coming to the United States after President Biden has apologized. As I believe is what I saw. Is he, he apologized for their posturing in the past and is aiming to improve their relationship because Brandon does not like Benny very much, which, I mean, base Brandon for that. Who, who does like Benny? I mean, let's be honest. Um, Shabibo, I think, probably yeah. only. All of I the actually, fascists. I actually don't know what Shabibo's take is on Benny, but I'd assume he's pretty pro considering how anti-Palestinian um, he is in policy. So true. We'll see, and we'll see how that goes down. But that's pretty much all I got, and I wanted to cover for the news today because, like I said, we have a lot to talk about with other news stuff, but I'll uh, hand over to my beautiful co-host. Yeah, uh, thank you, Cameron, for that uh, glorious introduction. Um, I love you. Uh, I do bring a little bit more uh, somber news today. Uh, two days ago, the would have been uh, Saturday, July 15th, there was a there was technically a mass shooting in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, which is you know about an hour south of me. Uh, a... It was two training, uh, two police officers in training. They were both 23 years old, had only been on the force for three months, uh, with a training officer and another man were just conducting a routine traffic stop, uh, you know, as part of their training regiment. Uh, the susp- and then a third man, um, who was completely uninvolved with the traffic stop, uh, pulled up and opened fire, uh, killing one of the officers and critically injuring two more before the fourth officer uh, killed the shooter. Uh, as far as they know, there's no motive. They don't know why he did it. They, he was completely uninvolved with the incident, completely unconnected to the officers uh, or the person being stopped. Uh, they did, however, upon searching his vehicle, find an incredible amount of ammunition and other weapons and believe that he may have been headed to potentially do some more shooting at the uh, fair that was currently going in Fargo. So it's all very fresh. It happened within the last two days. Nobody really knows what's going on, but... You know, here at TLGR, we are not exactly fans of the police, but we also do not condone violence or killing in uh, in any way. And or anti-death is a, is a pretty yeah, good policy anti, stance. Where anti-death is usually our policy. And uh, again, with our fears of the police, this is still a somber occasion at the loss of young life. 
Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, cops are class traders. And speaking of class. There you go. That's kind of a, <laughs> an insensitive um, transition, but they're cops, so it's okay. Um, Cameron, I'm, I'm already angry. Um, yeah. Why don't, why don't you kick you, us off? <laughs> okay, I was going to say, if you wanted to build, build into that, but I can take it from here for at least a little bit, get you even more wound up on your soapbox before we kind of release you to the beast. But um, So in the last, uh, at the beginning of May, the Writers Guild of America went on strike officially. I think it's they have somewhat about 12,000 members, according to, like, to the Times article I just read about it, but they had about 12,000 members that went on strike. The overall reaction from Hollywood Studios has basically been a kind of a shrug since that happened. They have falling back on using, um, I am completely blanking on the word, the, uh, who comes in to steals a union job? Scabs. A scab, yes, that's, thank you. I was thinking it was a skiff, but they've been using scabs and AI and basically trying to curtail around the writers, and they said, all right, don't worry about it. But over this last week on Friday... The Actors Union, one of the most powerful unions that currently exists, the very few of them that are left alive, thank you to Ronald Reagan, but one of the most powerful unions in existence is the Actors Union, has about 160,000 members as opposed to 12,000, and they also did not come to agreement on their contract and now have gone on strike. So the two largest pieces of industry for Hollywood, especially the offices which they are producing for, the writers and actors are a little bit screwed. So it's been a very interesting weekend in the sense of labor organization. And we're going to talk about that today. So Griffin, take us out. You know, this is actually the one thing I'm happy about. And me and you're the same way at this. I get so horny for unions and like strikes, oh, yeah, especially like I fucking go, go out to die for any union. I love them so much. Me and Cameron, you know, obviously with Barbenheimer coming up this weekend, we did had this a, a lengthy discussion about whether or not we were crossing a pick, crossing a picket line by uh by going and seeing the movie. We decided that it's okay as long as you don't promote it. Um, according to the actors themselves. Yes, right? according to I don't remember exactly who it was quoted from, but the actors have been going crazy. I, don't, I think it was Ron Perlman. Did you see Ron Perlman's video? I can't can't say that I did. Oh, uh, it was fucking awesome. He basically because you know so. The uh, president of Disney, Dan Ivers, I believe his name is, first name is, I know his last name is Ivers. Uh, uh, you're talking about the CEO? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be Bob Iger. Bob G. Iger, yeah. He uh, basically said that, when the, but this was like right as the actors were thinking about going on strike, but hadn't yet. He said, um, and then, you know, shortly after this, the writers decided to go on, or the actors decided to go on strike. He basically just said he was going to starve out the strikers, wait for them all to become homeless to force them to take a bad deal. Ron motherfucking Perlman makes a video. It says, "You're that's fucked up, man. You're talking about, uh, you know, taking people's houses away. It'd be a damn shame if, you know, because we all know where you live and we know you don't deserve that money. It'd be a real shame if something were to happen to your house. There's more than one way for somebody to lose a house, man. Oh, uh, so yeah, I'd be, did, I'd be a little careful. That. I'd be a little careful with what you're saying there, buddy. And you like, did send me that. I, I forgot sick. who that was. But, uh, yeah, he is he is one of a, ver- a very large amount of actors and people within the union itself that are not happy with the corporate response that they've been seeing after this writer's one and how they've been treated for the last few years, been project to project, turning out more and more, getting paid less and less in, in comparison to the CEOs and people that actually do nothing in the company. So, yeah, they're, they're all pretty mad. And 
this is the first simultaneous strike between the Writers Guild and the Actors Union since 1960. And yep. do you happen to know uh, who worked with that with those unions uh, back? In the I happen day? to know that actually the president of the Screen Actors Guild was in fact our favorite president, Ronald Ron- Robinette Reagan. Reagan baby, <laughs> which just shocked the hell out of me in the sense that he at one point was based, but then he just became the most evil person known to known it's to humankind. It's time. all a grift, Cameron. It's all a grift. No, no. See, I know that. But my man was kind of already loaded up. He was part of. He got the money from. He got the bag from acting, and it was like he kind of went with the Donnie. He's like, well, I might, might as well hand my, put my hand into some politics kind of thing. We'll see what goes on. And yeah, he realized he can make shitloads of money instead of just the like the measly money he was making before. So yes, I do agree that it is a, a grift at the end of the day, as most right wing media is. You know, speaking of that too, a little bit uh, just a side tangent. I've been checking Twitter periodically all day. Uh, Andrew Tate has been trending all day with 71,000 tweets right now. And I don't know why. It's basically just a bunch of, like, uh, tater tots, like, defending him. Apparently one of his uh, supporters came out and was, like, uh, basically was just, I don't know, dick riding him in general and saying, oh, Tate's my favorite kind of person. But then he came out to be uh, uh, a domestic abuser as well. (laughs) And everyone has been doxing him. So that's that's part of the threads. So... You can see the kind of people that he attracts. That's so funny. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And back to our. That's so good. That's so funny. I love that. Um, free my game. Regular, free top G. Yeah. Free. Free top G. Back to our regular scheduled programming. I've been very pleasantly surprised, but incredibly happy about the response from like mainstream actors and their solidarity with the unions. You know, like I always. I think I. I know I fall into this, and I. I can't speak for you, but. Assuming that these, you know, multi-million, if not, yeah, I mean, a couple of them are probably touching the billions, but these multi-hundred millionaires, A-list celebrities, you know, huge actors showing their solidarity with the unions is such a huge thing. And it's not something that I expected. I expected most of them to stay quiet or like kind of like, yeah, guys, let's try and find a resolution. But you're seeing big names like Matt Damon uh, put out a statement and like just completes out, you know, Killian Murphy and I think Christopher Nolan too, like walked out of the UK premiere of Oppenheimer um, to show solidarity, and it's I do love to see it. It's beautiful. I love it no, so much. No, yeah, you, you bring up Matt Damon, um, who I just looked up. He has a net worth of $180 million in the U.S., which, yeah, it's definitely a lot of cookies to be working with and everything like that. And he's a, I, you say that name to anyone, everyone knows who, like, who he is. And he's, because he, he brought up the fact that it takes $26,000 a year uh, from acting specifically to make enough to qualify for the union health care. If you don't have that, you, you're paying out of pocket or the, let's be more realistic. You're not going to the doctor. You're not paying those hospital bills because you simply yeah. cannot afford to because we live in a for-profit healthcare system. Yay. But yeah. it, I, I do, I do agree. I'm very pleasantly surprised by these more well-known actors, especially the more expensive, at least even Robert Downey Jr. Like you said, he walked out of Oppenheimer. He's making hundreds of millions of dollars every time he was, every time he was portrayed as Iron Man. Like, he got a cut of the Endgame ticket sales because that's how big of a name he is. And that made that movie made billions of dollars. Yeah, uh, it's, it's something so beautiful to see, like the solidarity. The solidarity, it, the solidarity is such a beautiful thing to see. Like you know, these people, like they are set in life. They have generational wealth. They're they're set. Their kids are set. Their kids' kids are set. They will never. They never have to work another day in their life for fucking three generations. And they're sitting out there on the picket line. With, pe- with, you know, people who have nothing, you know, but who do the same job because they recognize that, you know, that they were there once. 
that they're all people and they deserve these basic rights. Absolutely. Worker, workers' rights are human rights. We all know this. We all support that here, for especially. And it's very nice to see that these uh, people that are these larger-than-life figures also feel the same way, including saw, uh, famous, like, famous comedians like your, like your boy, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's been going crazy. He's been like striking every because he's a writer and uh, he's part of the WGA and the SGA, uh, Screenwriters Guild and the or Screen Actors Guild and the uh, Writers Guild. Um, so he's been out there this whole time and doing a lot to organize the strikes. And uh, he's kind of been the face of it because oh, um, you know, a lot of the people on the picket line are just workers, they're not media trained, so you you can't just come up to them and ask them questions. They can't talk to you. Uh, you have to like talk to a person who's media trained. So, you know, okay, you know, like a Boo Boo Bennett or somebody can't show up and try to derail the thing. <laughs> you know, she. I actually am kind of interested to see if she actually would even think to do this because obviously she doesn't care about labor in the sense like that's not her economic policy because she doesn't know what that means. Yeah. All, all she knows is gun good, government bad. Gun good, thing. poop in hand. A, a, exactly. So I'd be interested to see like what her response would be to actually someone that talks like political points back towards be like, what are you, what are you doing? You're, I don't know, but. Yeah. Why I bring him up specifically is because he actually brought up a very good point. I can't remember uh, what interview he did this with, but he was talking about um, one of the main aspects that these actors and writers are striking over is residual checks. A lot of people depend on these residual checks based off of like movies and TV, whether they're in or whether they wrote. Every time that they uh, basically run on TV or run whatever it is, they're supposed to get residual for it. And he brings up this uh, great point is when, he did his show back in the day. Adam ruins everything is what he's probably most known for. He was making twenty thousand dollars an episode per residual. Like that's what his residual check would be. Probably like twenty grand an episode or whatever, something like that. As we said, he did an HBO docu- like documentary or actually it was Netflix or docu series called The G Word, talking about government and stuff like that. On streaming services, there is no residual back pay for that, unlike TV. So his entire from like his entire paycheck, entire residual for the G word was like three hundred dollars compared to what it was before. It, it like in all seriously, he said it was less than a thousand dollars every single time, and he only got like it was like a one time thing because when they when these shows and movies get dumped onto streaming services exclusively, there is no negotiations done yet, which is what they're working on right now to make sure that these actors actually do get money, especially when people come out in support of specific shows and movies on these streaming platforms that draws them to that platform, like. Oh, I have Hulu because X is on it, or I have Netflix because Y is on it. So they're trying to basically come to this agreement for future stakes on how to make residuals work better on streaming services and making sure that their roles do not get taken over with increases in technology, including AI. And that's like, yeah, the, the biggest backlash for unions is that, you know, like, oh, the workers just being greedy. They, what, they don't deserve this, like, which is such bullshit because their demands are so incredibly small compared to what they deserve to be getting like literally the writers are asking to have like normal sized rooms and residuals for the work that they've done money that they've created like literally just to get the money they've earned and the the writers are just asking example of value like value creation it's the same thing for the the actors they're just asking for what just like better healthcare benefits and stuff i look i saw the statistic this is incorrect this incredible and it really paints just like a beautiful picture of how underpaid these people are the total demands of all the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild combined, I think, amounts to something along the lines of like four hundred eighty million dollars, right? Now which that's a like lot a, of money. Which now sounds like a lot, lot of money, money until you realize that the I think Paramount was going to take the biggest hit 
Would you like to know in percentage how big of a hit to their profit that would be, Cameron? I'm assuming 1,000%. I'm assuming they're going to have to pay like $3 billion to every communist organization on the planet. Yeah, Paramount will be taking the absolutely massive L of losing 0.2% of their 2021 profits. Are you serious? 0.2%. They're the biggest. That's the biggest hit. I was expecting. Disney's taking like 0.1. Disney's. It is a percent of a percent that these companies are losing, and they're ready to let people starve to death and go homeless and die of fucking like lack of health care because they can't give up point. 1% 1% of their profit. Not even like their total operating cost, just their profit. Now, now I do I do have a question. Like usually, I have a few questions for you on this entire thing. Uh, one specifically, as we're talking about the Disney hit of 0.1%, which we can already know that's uh, 0.1% of Disney is literally nothing in the sense of it's a couple, like to you it would be a lot of money, but to Disney. Yeah, to us it's 0.1%. generational wealth, to them it's pocket change. Literally, yeah. But because of the public comment that Iger has come out and made about that they were originally planning for them to lose their leases, lose their mortgages, and then they were going to start negotiation because they'd be desperate. Basically, word for word, what he said, based off of the public outcry that that has generated, plus the inability to quell the strike, quell the actor's strike and stuff like that, do you think that internal pressure will cause Bob, uh, Bob Iger to step down as Disney CEO, or do you think he will power through like through the whole thing? Um, that's a good one. I, I, I haven't really thought about that. Just initial first thought, I do not see him remaining CEO of Disney after the strike is resolved. I think they'll come to an agreement eventually. They have to, obviously. Um, however long that takes. And I see him getting a fat severance package and stepping down after. Oh yeah, he won't. He won't lose any money out of this whole thing. If anything, no, he'll, he'll take more a, from the severance. He'll take an eight hundred million dollar severance package and he'll step down. I I tend to agree. I think public outcry has. We've seen a lot of CEO action because of public outcry recently, which is strange. Like a very strange time to live in, in the sense of you can actually like publicly criticize someone. And if it gets loud enough, they actually might listen to the sense that they might listen, they might like step down or whatever it is. But we've seen the kind of thing with the Starbucks CEO stepping down again earlier today um, for his like fourth stint to the company or something like that. It's crazy. But if you talk loud enough, because so many people universally, including the big name actors that have said like, they won't come back to work for Disney until like things change. If you can keep those big actors away from that studio long enough, I, yeah, I don't see him remaining in the, like remaining as head of CEO. He may remain in the company as just a lower position, quote unquote, but he yeah. may not be forced to like step down and like leave Disney entirely. Yeah, I think he, I think it'll be like a voluntary resignation with a fat severance package. I don't see him like getting fired or like removed by the board by any means, but. No, I, um, I, I do 100 percent agree because he's on that. he's acting like he's enacting their will. This is exactly what they want him to do. Yeah, he's the CEO. He's responsible yeah. for the board. Like for the board, yeah. that's he's, who he's at responsible. The, and the, you know, Bob Iger's a demon, but at the end of the day, he's just a face to the board of demons behind him. You um, know, I'm actually a little surprised. Now, obviously, uh, this is a different kind of thing, but in the sense of demons, where do you think that these talks of labor and everything like that will have any? impact on let's say in a month at the GOP primary and stuff like that do you think the talk of labor will get even mentioned in any form of our like RNC like co- like discussion even in Congress right now it's like 
Anyone actually bring it up on the conservative side? Um, with regards to the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors, I do not. However, the UPS Teamsters are pretty close to striking as well. They have until, I believe, um, July 31st to renegotiate a deal. And as of now, talks have stalled. So it's looking increasingly likely that arguably one of the most crucial pieces of American infrastructure, uh, especially after you know the pandemic and like the shipping market has become what it is. And UPS is basically a monopoly in that sense. If that ends up striking, uh, I think I think uh, Mr. Own the greatest pro-union president in history is going to be is going to do the same thing he did with the rail strike. That's what I was just about to bring up with Brandon, because like. One of my one another thing I've been like kind of that, what, thinking about and what, questioning in the sense of will Brandon step in for this one specifically, or does he not care about in the sense of no? Because he stopped the train this. one. Yeah, yeah. no, because it doesn't affect infrastructure. The second it affects infrastructure, which in turn affects national security, um, <laughs> then the government will step in. I think with this, I like, think fucking rats ass. I mean, they might like kind of push, put some pressure on both sides if it goes on for long enough, maybe. Um, but it's not enough people, and it's not like a serious enough industry. I don't say it's obviously a very incredible, you know, art is industry. It's obviously a very serious industry. I don't want to make light of that, but it doesn't have like the national ramifications that, like, say, a UPS or a rail strike does. So I still think they give a fuck. Now I, I will push back on that in the sense of I disagree for the only sole purpose. I think you may be overlooking in your optimistic worldview. <laughs> so common for you to have. The only reason I could see the Biden administration, because like, they've, they've already made a, st- a statement, they quote unquote stand with the workers. They hope they can come to a fair and like uh, quick, like comes like, a fair deal ASAP was the exact quote that he gave, which is I don't know, standard, like whatever. But the only reason I disagree with that he might care, you got to realize a lot, a lot of propaganda, military propaganda, is made through movies. The Defense Department has the deepest pockets in Hollywood, and they are going to be the ones that are taking the hit in the sense of if they don't get the movie with with the pew-pew explosions out, recruiting goes down because few, fewer people see that, they're influenced by it, and they don't sign up. So I would say that's the only reason I could see him doing it. Now, he'll never cite that reason. But you got to remember, the military-industrial complex runs the show at the end of the day, more than infrastructure, more than national security. If, they're not, if their pockets yeah. are getting empty, things happen. That's just what I'm saying. I had a similar thought, uh, partly on the propaganda, but more on like the escapism side. Is like they need us to be distracted by Hollywood so we don't understand how what a shithole we actually live in. Fair, um, but I don't think they're smart enough for that. Uh, Brandon is actually a dark uh, genius. Yeah, in case you didn't know, did we so, talk about but, the fact that he's been like angry with his Brand- staff on show? <laughs> Not yet. We got. I got one last thought or a quick oh, thought yeah. about Brandon. The sure fire, the biggest, right now, Joseph Robinette Brandon Jr. has the 2024 election so far in his bag. It's his. It's his to lose. He's an incumbent. He's going to run against fucking Donnie again. It's a game he's already fucking won. The biggest way for him to fucking take the fattest dump on this election and just lose it is to fucking block a strike. (laughs) You're going to piss the pe- – you're going to – I know, and everybody's still kind of mad. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest way Brandon could I, – I, I will – I'm already not going to vote for Joseph Robinette Brandon because it doesn't fucking matter who I vote for because I'm voting in fucking Carver County, Minnesota. Yeah, it um, doesn't matter for you. 
but I mean, if, if even if I was planning on like voting for Joseph Robin at Brandon, I, I fuck, I'd, I would, I, I would already feel awful about it, but I'd feel even worse. I'd be so angry. I'm gonna be so mad if he blocks his fucking UPS strike. I'm gonna fucking assassinate the president in Minecraft. Oh my god, yeah, I this this is going this is going crazy in the sense of yeah, he is quote unquote the most labor friendly president, and him to actually like stop the initial railroad rail worker strike was actually insane because. The president, obviously, the bully pulpit is very powerful in the sense of foreign policy, but domestically, too, because at the end of the day, if the president wants something, they kind of have a way of, like, figuring out how to get it most of the time. So for him to make statements like saying, like, oh, it would be too painful uh, for the economy, who's just recovering from COVID. You guys couldn't have picked the fucking point! Exactly. You couldn't have picked a worse time to do this. Now, I think I, I think I, I might have mentioned to you this, but... I think this is a little bit more of a controversial take in the sense and I, I do want to explore it in the sense of I think COVID and the like the quarantine era in general has done more for workers' rights in the last like than most uh, policy in the last 30 years. And the reason I say that is because people actually realize they get they were pulled from their nine to five zombification and told to stay home and you can, all right, you're going to make the same money. You don't have to do anything. You can just work from home and the ability to create like different flexible schedules and being able to actually like, well, maybe negotiate a pay. I don't feel comfortable with COVID. I need to work from home. That's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll send you the package. We'll set you up. Everything like that. I think the pandemic era has brought about a new labor movement in this country faster than any legislation ever could have. And I a hundred percent like, Bush, please uh, yell at me if I'm wrong. No, I will agree with you, actually. I saw a great take uh, earlier today that we've kind of entered, like, a new Gilded Age in the sense of, like, you know, the 1910s, 1920, or even, like, late 1800s when we first saw this big wave of, like, labor organization after this first Industrial Revolution. Um, well, we have modern s- Rockefellers. We yeah, have modern like, Rockefellers. It's and, like yeah. the, the stage is set exactly the same. You know, people are – this mass – like industrialization and this big change, you know, that was mass industrialization then in the pandemic now that has forced, like made people realize that, Hey, it's kind of fucked up that this one old white guy has a fuck ton of money. And I don't, even though I'm working way harder than him, he just kind of sits in his mansion all day. We should organize. And it, that, that kind of that same thing is repeating itself in an incredibly similar way. And the only, the only thing that worries me, and it's, this is me just being a pessimist, like I always am. <laughs> I, I, I want – well, I, ideally, I'm going to harken back to UPS a little bit because this is still like something that's new. And it, this has, in my opinion, in, incredibly higher like ramification stakes I, than, I agree. than the Hollywood strikes. Um, if they strike and it does not get blocked, the people are going to be mad. And I think they're going to be mad at the wrong people. I think a lot of Americans are going to get spun and angry at the Teamsters and think they're going to see, like, oh, they want fucking 50, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of, they're just delivery drivers, blah, 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 and get angry at them and call them greedy instead of getting angry at the fucking company where they should be directing their anger. And it's going to go almost backwards. Like, union powers are going to get limited in the wake of that because it's going to have huge ramifications on our infrastructure, huge ramifications on our economy. And I think people are going to direct their anger in the wrong direction. I don't disagree with that because we saw very similarly what the liberal, like mainstream, mainstream liberal media, especially like just 
corporate corporate duopolies and stuff like that, like controlling all information because obviously corporations are against the workers because it hurts their profits. So you have these big news organizations that are owned by the people they're getting strike like stricken against, I guess to use it in the verbiage, but CNN during the rail workers strike a few months ago, you never saw them going on there and be like, give any form of pro worker take. They only talked about how much it would hurt the economy. They only talked about how selfish they were being for asking for seven days of paid sick leave. And they were saying it's too big of a risk. They picked the wrong time. If they, were, like, if they were yeah. supposed to be the watchdog that they are, they're supposed to see that a lot of these corporations are saying, Hey, we don't want them to strike. The people are saying, Hey, let them strike. Let them have their thing. The watchdog is supposed to pick the people and go against the corporation. They're supposed to give information to the proletariat in order to better disassemble the bourgeoisie and the like the capital owners class. That is like the primary reason for having a media apparatus in the first place. And for the quote unquote liberal media of CNN, the Clinton News Network, um, for to be so anti-worker shows truly how far right wing the Democratic Party has fallen, because obviously the C- CNN is incredibly Democratic, at least they have been since the Trump era began. But even on like, MSNBC, the most liberal propaganda you'll ever see, they were still going anti-worker. They were sounding like Fox News, just a little less mask off, I guess. Well, and that's like, again, like I, again a huge part that like America's understand is liberalism is right wing it's capitalism it is a center-right party the democrats are a center-right party and like we understand this and we know this but they see it like union like approval ratings like within unions are astronomically high but nationwide union rates are at an all-time low and like nationwide approval for unions are even low like you know we i've had conversations with some co-workers you know these are fucking rural good old north dakota boys um and like you know like they're like, oh, yeah, well, like we were talking about a concrete plant and like how like, oh, yeah, they're the one down at Fargo kind of sucks because they're unionized. They're like the, the simple town, like, oh, yeah, they're unionized. I'm like, why is that bad? Like, I, like, I push back man. a little bit. I'm like, what's wrong with the union? They're like, well, you're like, well, I'm like, like, how, how as a worker can you possibly be anti-union? It just blows my fucking mind how no, you can it, be crazy. actively against having more power and getting paid more. Well, lick the boot a little bit harder. Exactly. Clean it up. Yeah, I can't see myself yet. But an, another example, I'll, I'll harken to a, a funny interaction that I wrote down because it happened. I was like, all right, this is a Bush story, 100%. But I, I was watching YouTube uh, on Wednesday, I think, well, last week. It might have been even later than that. But I wrote it down right away because for some reason, my YouTube algorithm, now I still get recommended a lot of left-wing things, but all of the ads I get on those left-wing videos are hyper right-wing shit, like Turning Point USA, um, the Epic Times, all of these like fringe right wing things. I've gotten Rumble ads all the time. Like I, do, <laughs> I don't care, man. I don't want to see it. I can't block them for some reason because whatever. But this ad that I got on turning on Turning Point USA, the first thing that I, I noticed was like the thumbnail it was talking about guess the number of U.S. presidents, and I thought it was going to go into some like conspiratorial, like the presidents have been fake since like 1859 because we were got sold to London or something like <laughs> shit like that. I was expecting that. I was pleasantly surprised. They were not going for that propaganda, but they were going for propaganda of women dumb, men smart. Here's exactly what I mean. They go around, like this interviewer who is a man, goes around and asks all of these college-age girls, how many presidents have we had? 
and he picks like five of them and none of them get it right. Like they're all, they're guessing like 50, 52, whatever, just being whatever it is. They do this for all of the girls. And then they pick two guys at the very end who get it right away. And they celebrate like on the screen, like, yeah, yeah, he got it right. 46. Yeah. They're so dumb. Look at all these dumb liberals, AKA the women and the, the dumb women. smart. Exactly. So I, that's just a great example of propaganda being used. Like they're owned by the Koch brothers, like through subsidiaries and stuff like that. So the, the same people that own them are just have a larger scale on CNN or Fox news. That's so funny. Like, and that's such a stupid question of all things. Like I'm a fucking, like, I love history and I love politics. I, I like, I know it's 46, but it's not like a confident 46. It's like a 46. Like, I always, I, I always, I always give the extra nerd answer of forty six, even though it's only been forty five dudes because Grover Cleveland's a chud. Yeah, classic Grover Cleveland, the only double <laughs> president baby. Well, nope. besides Donnie, besides forty five, forty seven. Yeah, well, we're gonna see forty five, forty. Well, Donnie's still president, so there's there's um, also that. I did forget about that. I will be interested to see like on like the like the <laughs> the live media like TikTok or reels interview guys that I follow and stuff like that. Because they always try to do, like, the gotcha question that Trump things. And they do always work because they're talking to the stupidest people on the planet. Yep. But I will be interested to see if they start asking, like, closer to the actual election. Because obviously these people have believed that Trump never left office in 2020 in the first place. Yeah. So you got to go up to him, like, well, if he's been president this whole time, shouldn't he not run again because he wouldn't be eligible for a third term? Well, no, no, no. He, he's still good to go because he wasn't actually in the office. There's like some weird conspiracy yeah. they're going to say after that. Because <laughs> when you take the conspiracy theory actually to the bank and say, all right, let's use real world logic to follow it, you have to say, all right, then he's done. He, he can't run again. Yeah. He's had two terms. Yeah, Donnie has been president this whole time, and you know his term limit's done. He can't run again. <laughs> I'll never well, we should get rid of the term limit yeah. because we need our Lord and Savior, our King. They will 100% advocate for abolishing the, I think it's the 26th Amendment or 25th maybe. Yeah, but whatever the, term, whatever the term limit one is off the top of my head, I can't remember. But whatever the term limit amendment is, you will see hogs going crazy in 2028 to abolish that thing. You will see hogs going wild because they already want him to run for a third term. They've talked about it this entire time. Like Donnie brought up in like 2018, he's like, Oh, I like this so much. Maybe I'll run for a third term kind of guy. Like, and they, they applauded him because no matter what he says, they follow him. That's propaganda people. That's how powerful it is. Don't use it against, don't lose it against labor. Use it against those fucks. Well, you know, it's, I mean, we could start to dip into theory a little bit here. I mean, it's what Marx just said, you know, propaganda is used by the state to divide the working class, stop us from organizing, stop for the laborers, the working class from organizing against bourgeoisie and taking the power that belongs to us. It's it's a it's a numbers game. Like at the end of the day, there it's there's a reason why they're the one percent. They are one percent of society. Most of the time, even less than one percent. So when you talk about the actual working class versus the owners, you're talking hundreds of millions of people, billions of people to a couple hundred, maybe even over a thousand people. The number game just ain't right, sir. That's why they're so scared. That's why they keep the working class divided. That's the whole point of the media apparatus, the way that it operates right now to fund wars, and to keep the pockets of these co- like corporate donors deep for lobbying. Yep. Because, yeah, it's the 1% versus 99%. They need us more than we need them. Actually, we don't need them because they don't fucking do anything. They worked They worked hard once upon a time. They had an yeah. idea. Remember that. Yeah, they famously, they had, they had an idea. Famously, they just pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Well, I, I recently got into, like... 
not an argument, but just like a disagreement with a close buddy of mine who's fairly conservative, or at least just like kind of brought up that way. And I can't remember if we talked about this or whatever or not, but he was talking about like billionaires in general. And he had talked about the idea of like, oh man, after taxes, just your entire paycheck is gone. And I was like, no, I 100% agree. It's crazy. And he probably was like, you know what? I think if you're in college, you shouldn't have to pay tax on your paycheck. And I'm like, you know what? I can get behind that. I never actually thought about that, but I agree. There's so little, it doesn't really matter anyway. And yeah. I expand that. I'm like, you know, we, honestly, if you don't, if you make less than like 40 grand a year, you shouldn't have to pay a dime in taxes. It won't matter anyway. And he was like, well, no, that's, that's too much. Like, then where would like, that's where most of the taxes come from. Like, no, you just shift it upward to collect the same amount, if not more from the billionaires and the hundred millionaires. Like you just tax the ultra wealthy at their more than fair share. And he was like, no, you can't do that. That's their money. Like they, they had a good idea. They earned it. Like they've worked hard for it. And I, and I just, I, I shook my head and I, I, I had to go with the, I had to hit him with the, do you know how Bill Gates made his money? Do you know who his mom had to talk to, who his mom knew at IBM? Did you know who's, that? Who's mom gave a little suck suck? <laughs> exactly. Did you know that uh, Bezos got this government subsidized loan that he never paid back in the first place kind of thing to start Amazon? He used his in-laws money to do it. And then he still like lost, like uh, cheated on his wife. So she left him kind of thing, but still got billions for it. Like you, there is no such thing as a self-made billionaire, but the idea of it is what keeps people working. Your greatest, your greatest example of it, working. I even saw this today. If you were, you and your partner, or even you, were to save a million dollars a year, you're saving a million dollars a year towards retirement or whatever. It would still take you a thousand years to reach one billion dollars. Do you know what Elon Musk's net worth is? Almost three hundred billion dollars. It would take. Three or take thirty thousand years to get to that much money of saving a million dollars a year. It blows my mind that people who will just go out to bat for fucking billionaires and CEOs. It's like, dude, you're not that guy. You make eighteen dollars an hour at the McDonald's drive-through. Okay, you're never going to be a fucking billionaire. You don't have a rich daddy. There is no such thing as a salaried billionaire. There's no such thing as a salaried one percent. You're getting that, or, or an hourly rather. You're getting that through uh, investments, through your straight-up salary if you're a CEO, which is what I meant. Uh, there's no such thing as an hourly billionaire because you're making so much money from these other things that there is – like you have to be paying them hundreds of millions of dollars an hour just to make sure that they're actually being act- adequately, quote-unquote, paid kind of thing. It, does, there's, it doesn't exist. You can't do that unless you have the nepotistic connections to be – in with the elites and talk about these things and be able to pitch these dog shit ideas to the right people and get them fixed and get them on the get them running, and then you write it. They write a blank check back to you in the sense of do whatever you want as long as you make sure you say, "Oh, I came from a tough working family. I swear, like my mom barely was able to scrape by when I was a kid." Yeah, yeah it, there's there's two ways you become a billionaire and you need both of them. And it's one, it's incredible nepotism and profound luck. You do not make yourself a billionaire. You get really fucking lucky. It's all spawn point. That's all it is. The most important factor you can have is spawn point. And this is, this is something I've had a a discussion. I would say argument just because I never out myself because I don't want to get lynched. Um, I can't out myself as a commie because they'll come for me. Absolutely. 
but something I, like discussion I've had with like finance bros for like entrepreneur bros and such is our American understanding of economics is capitalism and how close we are to like the quote unquote perfect capitalism. It's like, that was a Richard Wolf take. It's like, wow, they teach econ in America is how close can we, we measure how far we are away from theoretical perfect capitalism as like our our measure of success. So our econ class teaches a capitalist understanding of the economy. There is no, like Karl Marx is a Nobel prize winning economist. Yeah, and not a not single exactly one easy. of his not a, not a single one of his ideas are taught in an econ class. Now, why is that? It's because bearded socialist man bad. True. And so, like this this discussion, like we had, is like, like well, Santa Claus is the like, only socialist I accept. Gives yeah. like free gifts. It's not, like not um, this idea that oh well, like, like one the idea that uh, the wealthy don't actually have this cash on hand; it's all tied up in assets. Like okay, cool, capital gains tax, and then like the are just our fundamental like in my opinion, misunderstanding of the way that wealth and labor like are intertwined and like the cat, the way it's taught is that wealth provides labor. Like rich people are just out of the kindness of their heart, giving us jobs. And you know, these top one percenters, they're making these smart investments and they control the money. And so they can, you know, they have the money, which they're then giving down to us, this trickle down economics. And that's just completely backwards. Wealth starts at the bottom with labor, labor, creates value without labor there is no money somebody has to do the job there is no like you can do money does not just spawn at the top it has to well, come from somewhere I mean, well unless we, unless you're jeff bezos or elon musk then it does we could, spawn we, could, we could just print more money i mean just saying like, I, yeah. go to the treasury print some more money but no, well, no, you raise you raise a great point and i i, I want to interject for the sense that you brought up trickle-down economics and i actually very recently within the last couple hours had a discussion with one of our mutual friends who's not very political in the slightest, just kind of a centrist. He needs left. We're, we're, we're breaking through to him. Which friend but is this? This is Sam. But okay, me, that's so me, 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 yeah, me and Sam were just talking, we're talking politics like that. And we talked about Reaganomics in general because, it, I don't know, it came across my feed when he brought it up. And we're talking about in the sense of, kind of made a connection. He asked this question, like, why would the rich give away their money? Like, these people would never do that. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely correct. That's the end of the story kind of thing of Reaganomics. Well, they just haven't done it yet. It's been 40 years. Give them some time. They'll, they'll get around. Guys, just trust me. It'll trickle down. I promise. It will trickle down. I promise. Ronald Reagan promise. waiting for heaven to trickle it, down to hell. It'll it'll trickle down with the blood from the guillotine. Yeah, exactly. But the, the same In Minecraft, people, of course. The same, the same people that will tell you um, communism and sho- socialism does not work because of human nature, because humans are inherently greedy, will preach trickle-down economics. My brother in Christ... Who do you think is the greedy one? If you give someone money, as you just said, people are greedy. They're not going to give it up because of quote unquote human nature. You're arguing against yourself perpetually. It's this, it, people just don't understand that the only reason trickle that economics is even still quote unquote like is even still brought up as has been disproven time and time again by countless ec- economists. But the fact that it's still taught in class is because. The Koch brothers decided one day, you know what? It'd be awesome if we didn't have to pay taxes. It'd be awesome if we didn't get taxed well, because they just didn't like, want to do it. If you're uneducated on – you know, I fell back into this. I'm, I'm sure you did too when we were younger before we really had this awakening. Like we, I fell victim to the idea of like Reaganomics like, because on a surface level, if you're not educated in the topic, it makes sense. Okay, this businessman 
has more money. He can now open more businesses, hire more people, afford to pay his workers better. Like on a very surface level, it sounds like, hey, that might that, that, that's, that's, uh, that might work. It does not. Um, I you know I ran this by idea about you earlier. I don't think I said on the podcast this idea like like we seem like like I would like if you know I had to come in like I was supreme leader Joseph Brandon for the day. Um, <laughs> this idea like business like we'll give you a tax cut on the contingency that you hire five thousand employees in the next three years. And for those three years, we'll give you this tax cut and you better. And if you do not hire those 5,000 employees, you have to pay those back taxes. What would have been your cut? You'll have to pay. If you do, we can maybe renegotiate something else. The problem is we're just like, hey, you consider the following. You pay no taxes and do absolutely fucking nothing but treat your workers like shit. The CEO's like, hell yeah. And then they do absolutely nothing but treat their workers like shit. And the government's like, that's sick, bro. Keep that's doing that. That's so awesome. We'll that's break so up sick. any labor action we can because that's what we do in the United motherfucking States of America, baby. It's, I, I, I'm trying to be optimistic. Like these strikes are – I, I want to be optimistic because it, it is a step in the right direction. Strikes are good. Labor action is good. And I, I maybe it's just because I'm in – you know, like we're stuck in an echo chamber to an extent – on the internet and I see a lot of support for this. I'm really, really scared that it's going to backfire and we're going to get stripped of what few labor like rights we already have are just going to go down the drain. You know, to add to your spiraling optimism as mind games, because it's just who I am, but I want to put you down this doomer pill following the recent Supreme court decision against the uh, cement company. Do you remember that case where they basically uh, the company sued the strike workers because they quote unquote caused damage to the machines oh. and therefore hurt their labor, like hurt their costs, hurt their yep. profits. Do you know what the concrete company it was, by the way? I don't remember the name. I tried looking it up quick while you were, while you were talking, but I couldn't find the exact case. I couldn't find the exact name of it, but I'm sure it's not, it's only a Google search way. I just typed in the wrong Google search. But in the sense of they basically concluded that when these uh, concrete like workers went on strike and they left the trucks running because that's what you're supposed to do to make sure like the thing keeps like spinning, make sure it's keep going. But because it was running, it took gas and it took energy, and eventually the cement like had like it, like the car died or whatever it was, and the cement hardened and it basically ruined those two trucks or ruined a few trucks. The company then sued the striking workers for the damages, saying it, quote, hurt their profit margins. And it obviously went to the Supreme Court very, very quickly. Thank you for that appeal system. Went to the Supreme Court very, very quickly with their conservative supermajority saying, absolutely, those workers have to pay back those profits because the cement company donated a shit ton of my money to my, to the Supreme Court itself. What, what are you talking about? You, you can't strike. That's the whole, like... No more, like, if you can strike, but it can't cause any uh, corporate damage. That's the point of a strike, you idiots, is to destroy the the company's value. Because without labor, there is no value, as you said, already. But where where the question comes, because of this rule, do you think in the state that the court system is in right now, that they will use this as a precedent in the sense of, Following when these deals eventually come to the table, whether it's UPS drivers or the people in Hollywood, do you think that these corporations will end up suing those workers for lost product time and being having to delay these movies, having to 
push back these like timetables like more and more affecting this core of profits and stuff like that. Do you see them using that? I do not because I think they would have done it already. I mean, the WGA has been on strike for like 70-something days already. I think it's um, eight weeks, yeah. Yeah, I think if they were going to do it, they would have pulled that card by now. Uh, and I don't, I don't think they have – I think the concrete case, I mean, obviously that ruling is fucked up. But the grounds of, like, the damage that the truck – I mean, those concrete trucks are not cheap, and that's, like, legitimate, like, damage that they caused, as they should, though, which is based. I'm not defending the concrete company. Don't, like, misconstrue what I'm saying here. You're anti-worker. Um, uh. <laughs> like, that's I, – I think it's a little different than, like, most strikes we see. Um, I don't see the Supreme Court striking it down, but I can very realistically see Congress with in, a com- in combination with Joseph Robin and Brighton just – kind of just saying, like, no, you can't strike. And if a union can't strike, they, they've lost their power. I mean, that is their power. That's their bargaining chip, is withholding labor. And if they can't withhold their labor, they cannot bargain. What's the point of the union? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with Congress, I do have a question for you. And this is, this is completely off-topic in the sense of it's not about labor specifically, but I, I was wondering, because I never got your take on this. Following the House passing the latest defense bill of 800, or defense department bill, for $890 billion, with a B, dollars next year for the fiscal year of 2022 or 2023 to 2024, 4 to 5, sorry, my bad. But $890 billion with all of these anti-woke, anti-education reforms, basically just a bunch of culture war stuff shoved in there. And every Democrat voted against it, plus four Republicans. And every Republican minus those four voted for it against whatever. It passed the House because it was supposed to. And it's supposed to get destroyed in the Senate. But if it wasn't for those like woke things that are basically like holding up the whole chain, and it was just the 890 basically blank checked the Defense Department, what do you think the breakdown of those two chambers would be voting wise? 100%. It would unanimously pass both. Maybe like three or four people not voting. Yep, I can 100% agree with that. The only one, because the last defense bill for this, this fiscal year, that was passed at $860 billion. The only representative in the entire House that voted against it was AOC, I'm pretty sure. And then there were like two abstains. But, and the same with in the Senate, I'm pretty sure less than four objected to it, Bernie being one of them, of course. Based Bernie. Obviously. <laughs> it, even, though, even, though, even though he's 800 billion years old, goddamn, I love that man. God, he's been, he's been, he has been fighting so hard for the people in Vermont this entire last week who have been completely destroyed with floods and other effects of climate change. But he has been on the front lines, even though he's 82, 83 years old. He's out there. He's with a bucket. He's scooping up water. He's getting people food. He's doing what he needs to do because that's what you're supposed to do as a senator. Where were you, Ted Cruz? You were in Cancun. Sorry. Uh, it drives me Tangent. insane how far away our politicians have, like, like you should be, like, at, you know, like, we don't like to think about this because you're right, but at the end of the day, you are your as like as a representative from the Minnesota fucking whatever God, Tom ever can suck a fat one. I hate him so much. But he's the whip. Yeah, he's cool. Like Tom, like at the end of the day, in a pseudo kind of sense, Tom Emmer is the leader of our district. He represents us in this Congress. He should be voting in a way that is actively best for us. Now, he's voting in a way that the majority of our district thinks is best for us because they're fucking stupid. He's voting um, how Papa McIntoons tells him to vote. Let's be yeah, real here. Yeah, I mean, the man's from Delano. What can you expect? That's, that's <laughs> fair. 
Delano um, population of what six thousand people? It might yeah, be more than that. And, I don't know. and I, they maybe have eight brain cells to share between all of them. That's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Delano um, slander for the win. But it's like, you know, he should be. You know, if a disaster is to happen in somewhere in the Minnesota, I don't even know what district we are in the Minnesota what X district, and he's not there. It doesn't matter if I agree with everything he has to say. I'm not voting for him. No, your like, job is you to need, be there you need for to your be people, there to support your people, to be actively. Your, you like I don't I don't you shouldn't I don't even think congressmen should be paid. It should be like a civil. I think you're like I my stance has always been will always be hundred seventy two thousand dollars a year is fucking bullshit. Healthcare, yes, and I think you should have your costs. I think they should provide you with housing, food, healthcare, and transportation. And you should not see a fucking dime of actual money. Nope. I 100% agree. But, um, you know, back to the sense of representatives and bring it back to the strikes in a little bit. I, I just looked up because I, ha- I hadn't heard anything. Surprise, surprise. We're, again, the mainstream media is not covering this. But I hadn't heard anything about Gruesome Newsom's take on the whole thing. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom. For anyone that does not know the, the gruesomeness of him. But... I was wondering what his stance on this whole thing was, because obviously he's a lot closer to the whole thing. He's the governor of California where these strikes are taking place. And he has kind of been absent from the entire uh, the entire situation from what I can see. Like, he made a statement before the, WA, the WGA strike began back in May, saying he was very worried about the situation because it will impact their economy drastically. A lot of money goes into, goes into California for movies. So he's very worried about that, but... Since both that strike took place and the uh, uh, the SAG strike this last Friday, I, ha- I don't see any like newsworthy statements that he's made. Well, and at the end of the day, that doesn't surprise me that much because, I mean, Gruesome Newsom is an establishment Democrat. He is the establishment Democrat with like fucking Chuck Schumer. He's low key like, kind of based, though. He is. I think he's yeah, a little bit more left than the, the establishment Democrats in the sense sli- that he cares about social programs a little. Yeah, bit. he's slightly more progressive. He's like a California Democrat, where he's a little, like, little bit further left. But at the end of the day, I don't think he like really gives a fuck about labor movements. I mean, he'll vote establishment, and if he if he could get a, like he he doesn't have to do anything. I don't know what if he's like on like what the term limit situation is for him in California. If he's like looking for reaction, but like he doesn't have to do anything. Like if he just shuts up and does nothing, and like occasionally he's like, "Yeah, I hope we can find a resolution." Uh, you know, I, I respect their ability to strike, whatever. Like, just stays quiet. Like, it, it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't have to do anything. I do see a potential twenty twenty eight run from him. He honestly wouldn't do that bad against the current slate of GOP uh, electorates. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about twenty eight, but I think I don't. I don't know how old he is. Um, I, I, I could definitely I think he's see fifties twenty eight. Yeah, I could see him making a run within the next 12 years. Yeah, I, I agree. I, he, he he destroyed Hannity on that interview, but other than that, I don't know yeah, a, oh yeah, a he whole was lot about that him. interview. He's a whole a, lot about him, except for the fact that I know, he's really hot. Yeah, he is a good-looking dude. Um, I know he's a pretty establishment, a little more progressive, and he, but he's a great speaker. Oh, yeah, um, he's, absolutely. He's very char- he has definitely has the, the, like, the looks and the ability, and honestly, the policy – to get it done. As I think he would be a great Democratic candidate. I wouldn't necessarily like support him because he doesn't nearly align with us, but I, I wouldn't be upset voting for him. We need Timothy Walls to run for the White House right now. I'm just saying. Unanimous. Unanimous W. I would, I would go I would go. I would fucking go door-to-door canvassing for Timothy Walls. I would vote 
a hundred thousand times illegally for this man, and I don't. Yeah, I would mail in so that. many of my dead relatives' ballots. They're all going to Tim Walls just to make sure Minnesota stays a little extra blue. But goddamn, uh, dude, he could fix Tim this Walls, so good. If Tim Walls ran, Minnesota would be the bluest state ever. Dude, you'd see like people in like Rochester, like, you'd see like people in Rochester County going blue. It's never yeah, Carver, Carver County would get more than twenty percent blue. Yeah, <laughs> okay, let's not get crazy. Twenty percent. <laughs> you know, actually, speaking of Carver County, though, in the sense of just back in the day, because I've recently found our uh, senior uh, senior yearbook. Let's and, go. And we were looking through because obviously our senior year there was an election year, and we held a mock election of the people that could vote. Did you know that we voted in Biden? In Wakanda? did we really? Yeah. Now, obviously, we're the younger generation, so it makes sense. But even even this, the liberal like, girls went nuts at our oh, high yeah. school. <laughs> well, the dif- the difference is that's probably a good point. The liberal girls voted. The, the conservative hicks, they got that email. They said, oh, "Fuck that! I'm not feeling that." Shit. I don't even think I voted. <laughs> yeah, of course, you didn't because you were still a chud. Oh, I don't remember that. No, I was firmly a libertarian at that point. Firmly. You don't know that. You don't know the power that a vote can make. It's more powerful than a bullet. <laughs> nah. You know, I don't. Do we, I don't know how much we've talked about this. Um, I am f- firmly, at least in our current state, oh, anti-violence in, uh, like our quest for reform and revision of our our nation. Firmly anti-death. Anti. I'm obviously anti-death, but I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. I would even say in most cases I'm like anti like riots and like burning down buildings. I'm definitely like, yeah. I, th- I think we could peacefully, I, I, th- I don't think we're too far gone that a vote legitimately can make that kind of action in our country. It's going to take a while. And I think we're, we're, we're at a, I think we're at a turning point. And do you know I, why I think that, that is Bush? Because someone fought and died because the Constitution is a living, breathing living, document. Living, breathing document. <laughs> you sound like the most limp like, propaganda I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Nonviolence. No, not. We, but, uh, we're not at a turning point yet. <laughs> I, no, I, do th- I think we're at a turning point right now. And I think if we go – I think it could go either way. I think we could either start to get a little more progressive and pull ourselves it, at the very least back towards the center – um, with the power of a vote, and I think uh, I could also as easily see us going the other way, and violence comes on the table of, in Minecraft. Minecraft violence, of course, yeah, uh, comes into the equation very quickly. But in like our current state, like I don't want to sound lived up by it because I obviously we're anti-death. Um, I I don't see the need for violence, you know, like a violent revolution at this point or violent resistance, but. I, I, I agree. The defiance and resistance, absolutely, all of it, mm. but not to those ends yet. I think, I, I think, in our current situation, riots and violence will only damage our cause. Yeah, don't like. What's the expression? It's like, don't just let the boot kick you. Like, make sure you bite it back, suck on those toes, fondle the feet. Sorry, sorry, got a little yeah, carried, carried I mean, away um, there. Got uh, got carried uh, away there, but. You're supposed to kick off, kick off the boot of oppression, kind of thing. Just doesn't mean just because you're on the ground doesn't mean you can't bite back, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will, I will leave because uh, I know we're getting close to an hour here, so I'll kind of we'll start wrapping up a little bit more. In a sense, I do have a couple more general questions for you. Did you see how much the Biden campaign has raised its uh, first like seventy days or whatever it is? I did not. Uh, as of Tuesday, 
Last Tuesday, they had raised $72 million, outpacing the Donnie, the Ronnie, and every other candidate. He's made more let's money. Go. So far. Don't say let's go to Joe Brandon. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's oh go, Brandon. We're having very different reactions to this because when I saw that, <laughs> I almost punched through my wall. <laughs> People are giving that corpse. $72 million. Now, granted, that's mostly... For Better dead than red, baby. Let's Better go. Better dead than red. Well, that's what I said the other day. The only yeah, way I we know. can save this country. Hillary 2024, baby. She can fix Don't us. say it. It's going to happen. She needs um, to hear this. She needs to run. We, she needs to save us. We, I know we had this discussion uh, over like the 4th of July break, and a little bit since is the idea of like voting third party is such like a... Oh, it's like, I don't want to say like taboo, but it's like very like unpopular amongst people for understandable reasons. Like the Republican and Democrat party obviously dominate. And I've always been the person to advocate third party. Like, as you like, you're like, everybody's like, oh, third party, that's, you're throwing your vote away. And I, I disagree. Even if they don't win, every time you've seen like a successful third party, one of the major parties will pick up and adopt some of their ideas to try and pick up those voters. Yep. And absolutely. So. You know, if so, if you, um, as a voter, as a registered American voter, or somebody with a dead relative and a mailbox, um, <laughs> are looking, are looking to you know further represent yourself, um, I myself am currently planning on voting for Cornell West of the American Socialist Party. Um, if you're looking for something that's not quite as establishment, uh, it's you know something to investigate. Obviously, I will always advocate for you to do your own research into every candidate you vote for. Uh, don't and just vaccines, take some idiot because they cause at- autism. Yeah, obviously. Um, don't just take some idiot on who has a podcast that he started with his friend. Uh, word for it, because I am a dumbass. But um, uh, so I'm planning on voting for it. That definitely more accurate represents my values. However, as pro third party as I am, this is the one election that if you're in a swing state, vote blue. <laughs> I hate I hate myself for saying that. I hate it so much. Oh my god! Yeah, I uh, got. I can't. I can't believe I said it. I can't believe I said it. But oh my god! In. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna buy you a tattoo of vote blue. Vote blue because, because you need you need that. Oh, it's so gross. I'm I hate that, it so much. I hope I hope you die before me because I'm gonna put that on your tombstone. I'm gonna Cameron, I will come back from the dead with Ronald Reagan in hand. Big, I will put a big old donkey with the big old seal of the Democratic Party. <laughs> With Hillary 2024 on there. Plus Cameron, stop saying that. You're going to summon her. I don't You're going to summon her. If she's we can come back. She's like Bloody Mary Bush. We need to say her name at least three times because then she can hear it. And <laughs> well, then she can run and say her. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be more scared if I said Hillary Clinton three times in a mirror than if I said Bloody Mary in a mirror. Yeah, God, I'm, I'm kind of scared that she's going to like come through the door or something or send like an extermination squad. She's going to fucking like Benghazi me. The only pro- the only difference is Bush. Why that won't happen is because we're two white boys. We're not two brown fourteen uh, year old boys. So we're okay. True. True. But I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about this week. We definitely have some work to go as as we get closer to as like you said the Teamsters uh, uh, deadline comes up at the end of July is what you thought. I know it's coming up around Labor Day, and we'll definitely discuss Labor as we get closer to the actual Labor Day, which is. With so much happening last week, or with so little happening last week, and so much happening towards the end of this, like, whatever it was, decided to take a little break, make this episode a little more special in the sense of more lively conversation, talking about something that we're both very passionate about. Um, That's why we kind of took the last week off, but we're back, and we'll definitely continue to broadcast as it goes on, because no matter how little mainstream media decides to cover this, we will be covering it as it unfolds as much as possible. Um, If you're going to Barbenheimer... 
great. If you've already bought your tickets, go for it. Me personally, if you haven't bought them yet, I don't think you probably should. Uh, unless you're going like a family theater, then I don't really care in the sense of most of that money goes to the theater and some of it goes to the corporations, but I don't know, whatever. Enjoy things. Um, don't be sectarian and in-flight with your other leftist, other lefty boys. Say like, oh, I'm more woke than you because I didn't go to see Barbie. Like that's, you're, you're a nerd. I, don't do not do that. I aren't woker. You, you are not woker than thou. Exactly. No one cares. Uh, no one cares what you do. No one cares if you don't do it. No, whatever that. But as Bush and I said, don't advertise for it. If you're going to advertise, advertise the actors. Don't advertise the studios or anything that were involved with the production. Um, but yeah, other than yeah. that, I think that's all I got, Bush, unless you want any final words. I think that's all I got. All right. Well, this has been TLGR. I think 21. Might be 22. But we'll start keeping track again. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. Oh.